Anything you want to talk about before we dive in? So with the money, um, so I thought of that flow um, and I think we can just choose a couple of quotes or we can start, but I thought it might be interesting to to have a conversation around, around these quotes. Yeah. I like that. Um, okay. So I'm just looking, cause I know that I dumped a lot in here. So let yeah. me just look through mine real quick and I'll just bold face. Like I already bold face too. Yeah. You, I mean, um, it's okay if you leave them in there. Oh, I really like this one. The number one re- reason most people don't get what they want is that they don't know what they want. Mm, that's a I really like good that's one. That's so true. Um, God, yeah. I mean, I like all of these rich people associate <laughs> with positive, successful people. Um, okay. Ooh, and I really, <laughs> I really like rich people play the money game to win. We might okay. go on a tangent. I don't know. We may want to, you know, it might bring up some other stuff. So, yeah, no, I like that. Okay. Three, two, one. Hey friends, it's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia, and Puerto Rico to be exact. And we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. Get ready for a candid convo with us, Nicole and Kate. Throughout this podcast, we'll be sharing our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you realize that one, you are not alone, and two, that open and honest convos can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives, and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. Oh, big swan dive from Nicole today. I did it. I forgot it last time, but I did it today. (laughs) I love it. Nicole, we had a chance to catch up before we hit record, but now that we are with all of our wonderful and amazing and beautiful friends, hello to you and to everyone tuning in. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. I can't believe that it's almost Christmas. Mm -hmm. Very excited for that. Next week. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I mean, when this episode goes live, we'll actually be into the new year already. So happy new year, friends. Happy new year. Yeah. Well, you have to check out our Instagram because we'll probably be sharing a recap of everything that we just recapped before the fact, but it'll be after (laughs) the fact. (laughs) So that would be fun. Um, But you mentioned, you know, kind of this lifestyle and time freedom, but what comes along with that as successful entrepreneurs is financial freedom as well, which is pretty critical when you're talking about taking trips and being away. And that's what we're going to talk about today is money, 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 money. money. Um, Okay, so we're going to definitely talk about how we feel about money right now. But as with most of our topics and our episodes, I feel it's really, um, you know, conducive to the conversation to kind of talk about where we've been on these topics and where we are now. So what would you say money was like when you were growing up? Like, is this a topic that you grew up talking about? Were your parents open about money? Um, Did you talk with friends about money? Is it something that was kind of like out on the table? Or was it more like, no, we don't talk about that? Oh, so many good questions. And I know we've said this before, we like to take it back to our upbringing, because I think a lot of these things and our ideas do stem from, yeah, how we grew up. Oh, so yeah, the friends thing, 
I'll have to think about that, but definitely let's start with like parents and family. Um, so yes, we talked about money, but money was not a fun topic. Mm. Mm, yeah. It was okay. a topic that was oh, shrouded in tension. I think I've said this before. There was never enough of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, that causes a lot of stress familial tension so to back up my parents came to australia in the late 70s for they migrated from italy Uh, i was born here i was actually born within a year that mum and dad arrived um so they didn't speak english they um yeah they 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 came because dad thought it was a good idea he was a blue collar worker his um profession was as a welder Mm-hmm. So he actually got a good job when he did uh, land here eventually. Uh, he was working on like the naval fleet in uh, the ships in Sydney Harbour. So he had a decent job. Mum was, they both didn't speak English. So dad learned English on the job, but mum took English classes. Um, but she wasn't, she didn't start working probably for a few years because as I said, I was born pretty much uh, straight after. Mm-hmm. So I'm backing up and basically painting the picture that we're talking about two people who've emigrated, don't speak the language, um, they're not highly educated. Um, and so, you know, there are challenges with that, you know, how much they can earn setting up a new life in, in, in a new country. That's um, so impressive. I mean, like I try and even imagine and I can't what that would be like. And um, yeah, it's just so impressive that they you know, not only took the steps to make that happen, but then actually followed through with it and, you know, look at your mom now and, you know, you and you guys have, you know, such a beautiful life. I mean, I'm so grateful to the fact that they did really seek out, you know, a new country for for the opportunities that it could, it could give us, you know, growing up. So, but in the in the early 80s, I don't know if this is the same in the States, I think the world went through a massive recession and Australia went through a really terrible recession in the early 80s. So I'm only, you know, four or five years old. My brother's just been born. He's a toddler and dad had lost his job. And so they decided to pick up and move and go back to Italy. Oh, and literally wow. pack up everything. Yeah. What? I did and- not know this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think we've ever talked about this. So, no, okay. As, um, so, and, you know, we've talked about relocating and yep. how massive a, of an endeavor that is. And there's obviously costs that are involved with that. So imagine you've just you've packed up everything and you've relocated. Sad thing is, is that mum was unhappy when they did go back. Um, and so they didn't even last a year. And so then they returned back to Australia. Wait, so you say they, did you and your brother not go too? Sorry. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. No, no, no. We, we were all together as a okay. family. So okay. we all um, moved together and we, literally we were there for, I'd say, yeah, I have to really fact check this with, um, my brother has a much better memory than I do. Uh, but I did like preschool when I was there. I remember going to preschool. Um, and then, yeah, within a year we were back in Sydney. Um, so, you know, starting over again, you know, as a family of four, uh, that was hard. Mm -hmm. So all to say that, yeah, money was not an easy subject. Um, I 
you know, I don't think at the time mum had started working again. She had a qualification as a dental technician that she had to redo her qualification here in Sydney so that she could then start working, mm-hmm. which is not uncommon for, you know, people who migrate. Right. Um, so I would say that, yeah, it took a long time for them to get on their feet. But what, you know, the summation of all of this is that they really came back to Australia to provide us with the opportunities. And yes, we grew up and we didn't, money was, you know, very, very tight. Um, but I'm, you know, like you said before, it's made us who we are. Um, and, you know, we've been able to rise out of those, um, you know, circumstances, which weren't, you know, yeah, we weren't well off at all. Um, so so that's, it sounds that's- like, <laughs> so it sounds like you guys would, talk about money but it was never a, in like a positive um like abundance way it was mm-hmm. like a char- emotionally charged mm-hmm. um somewhat negative topic when it did come up yeah and i would say that you know the why I kind of refer to their um education it's it's not anything that's their fault or anything that is is negative. It's just that they didn't have probably the tooling or the education around finances to, you know, to pass on to us. It was like you said, emotionally charged, just kind of reactive to the situation. Um, Mm. Do you remember like a time in your life, an event or, you know, going away to college or whatever it may have been that um, maybe created a shift for you when you started thinking like, oh, you know, I didn't grow up maybe in like a, a wealthy household or, you know, being spending money on whatever I want to spend money on. But then you decided that you wanted your financial life to be different than it had been before or... Mm, yeah, I'd say. I don't know if I worded that very well. Sorry. No, no. I, I feel like um, where there's a shift, there's been a couple of shifts. The shift, the first shift being having a college, a university education, which for, for in our situation, because my parents didn't have that, that would be seen as a stepping stone to a level of, uh, you know, f- financial, um, yeah, greater financial stability because, oh, by default, if you've got a university degree, you're going to get a better job and you'll be able to make more money. Um, so there was that kind of stepping stone. And I achieved that, you know, thanks to you know my parents pushing me and I wanted to go to university. So I did that, went into teaching. Then the next jump and the next leap would have been entrepreneurship, realizing, oh, I can even take greater control, mm-hmm. can have a greater determination of what financial um, abundance and wealth accumulation, all of that can be, you know, I, I can have more control over that th- via, you know, starting mm-hmm. our own business. So there's been, I suppose, two jumps for me. Yeah. Well, was there ever a time, because I know you spent a lot of time in the education um, world as your career, you were an educator. I, I don't know a ton about the education system, especially because you were teaching abroad and I'm sure, you know, the, some of those programs, they probably look very different. But was there ever a time where you were just fully focused on how do I climb the ladder, for lack of a better term, here in this career versus the entrepreneurship route where you knew that, you know, it, the opportunities were endless? Was there a time when you were just like, oh, I guess I just climb the ladder and hopefully I get to the top? 
Oh, I think this comes back to how I grew up and not having a real sense of how much control I can have around and being, I'd say, financially savvy. I don't know how you want to put it, but the answer is no, because I felt like when I started teaching, I think I was pretty spendy. I didn't mm. really have that kind of future for, you know, foresight of like, okay, I've got to save, I've got to do all these things. I, I, I started to think like that much later. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I mean, in my experience, that was kind of a product of, you know, because for me and growing up, money just wasn't really something that we talked about ever in a positive or a negative light. Like we just didn't talk about it. Um, and I think that as a result, you know, I, I knew that I wasn't going to like get take out credit, you know, sign up for credit cards or do any of that. I don't, I think I actually like wasn't allowed to, I don't really remember to tell you the truth. What I do remember is that when I went to college, actually, I think when I went to graduate school is the first time that I ever signed up for a credit card. And I was like, I got into so much debt because I didn't know what to do. I didn't understand any of that. Um, so I think that, you know, it does say a lot about maybe the lack of um, just exposure to money, whether it be like at all or in a positive way or in a negative way or whatever. Or, or the, uh, and all the fact that it's not taught, I suppose. Yeah. It's like who's supposed to have that responsibility? Is, right. is it your parents that are supposed to teach you that? Supposed to, I mean, you know. Um, for lack of a better way to put this. Um, I know that when I read, one of the very first finance books that I read was The Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert mm, Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just remember very, I don't remember a lot from that book. I just remember a couple of things. But one of the things is that, you know, he create, he wrote that book because this kind of education, understanding how money works, understanding, you know, assets, all of that is not really taught. So in schools, at least, I mean, this is the context is the States. I don't even remember classes. I know we took commerce uh, from the age of, from like grade nine. And I don't even remember really going to, yeah, I actually don't remember any lessons around, you know, yeah, budgeting and, and, and all of this stuff. So unless it comes from the home. Uh -huh. So even though maybe you were in a different situation, but you still parents didn't talk about it. They took care of things probably, but they yeah. never. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the only thing that I ever remember learning about like actual financial advice or education in school was like, I think it maybe stretched the span of one week. I don't even remember what class it was in because it, we definitely did not have like a commerce class or something like that. There was nothing dedicated to learning about finances or money. Um, I'm kind of thinking that maybe it was our math class. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were given a newspaper and we flipped to the stock section and we were to pick out, you know, imaginary what stocks we wanted to invest in. And then we followed those stocks for like a week to see if we would gain or lose money. But like, that is not practical for somebody in high school. <laughs> and don't like, you think that's a massive leap? Like <laughs> there's so much in between before this. 
I know. Like, can you teach me <laughs> about right. like the difference between a checking account and a savings account and like what I might earn if I put more into my savings or like and interest rates? Yeah. Or... What happens if I take out a credit card, but I can't pay the credit card? Like there are just so many other things that could have been taught in that time. I know. Than but we'll us, play the stock market. Yeah, we'll play, we'll start with that. <laughs> And I think I like picked out my stocks based on like which of the, uh, you know, initials I liked best or something like there wasn't <laughs> even any. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. That I, is, that I mean, this could be a whole episode and topic on education and and all of that. But yeah. Oh, gosh. OK. How interesting. So it sounds like I mean, obviously, both of us have kind of found our way with money in one way or another to the point where I, I think that I know that both of us, um, you know, have a very high respect for money and the the mindset and the work and um, and everything that goes that surrounds that, mm-hmm. um, how we treat money and how we handle it now versus mm-hmm. how we handled it, you know, back in the day. Definitely drastically different for me because. Yeah, again, I'm the exact same way. Once I like had my own credit card, it was just like, oh my gosh, I can walk into a store and hand them this thing and then like I get to buy whatever I want. Like, awesome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Student loans. Oh my gosh, I didn't really like understand the full picture of that and ended up with a lot of student loans. But anyhow, so obviously both of us have been on journeys since then to educate ourselves, learn more about it, talk to other people who know more than us, read books, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I know both of us have kind of gathered a couple of our favorite resources that we've used so um, that, you know, anyone so that we can share this with those tuning in and so that anyone tuning in who's maybe looking for a resource on money mindset, um, you know, with the new year, it's always kind of a time Mm -hmm. that maybe you're setting financial goals for yourself, for your business, um, whatever it might be. And so, yeah, I thought it would be cool to share some of those. Are you up for it, Nicole? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, awesome. Okay, so a couple a couple of like my top, top, top. Um, I mean, one book that definitely changed my whole mindset around money is Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Have you read this book? Mm, I haven't. Oh, goodness. I, I so highly recommend it. Like it was one of those books for me that it was just like almost every page I was highlighting something just like, oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Oh my gosh, that's me. (laughs) Um, So it was just like a a very, um, very informative and impactful read for me. And I know that you have talked a bunch about Naval and Mm -hmm. his amazing content. And I believe that's what you're going to share today. Is that right? Yeah, which is a... It started from a podcast that I listened to. A th- it's over three and a half hours long. It's mm-hmm. intense, but it's a collection of interviews. It's based off a tweet storm. He he had this uh, series of tweets that just one after another that went viral. And then him and his uh, co-founder, he's a co-founder of Angel List, him and the other co-founder got on a and basically he interviewed him and they discussed every one of his tweets and it turned out to be like in total three and a half hours and to me it's this massive education on everything about making money he gave it a catchy title how to get rich which was just really a bit of uh, yeah 
he really wanted to, I suppose, call it how to accumulate wealth. Um, but it's dense. There's a lot to it, but I highly, highly, highly recommend it because I got so much out of it. And it's one of those things I, I want to go back to, but so we could maybe just choose a couple of, um, yeah, quotes, tweet. Uh, sections from that that I, I that I would share. Um, Why don't you kick us off with one of yours, one of your big takeaways or quotes that you um, that really resonated with you? Okay, I think I'll start with the making money isn't about luck, and this stood out to me because I think I'd say that I'll give the example of my parents and. As an example of people who I suppose didn't have the yeah the resources, tooling, the skill set, the mindset around money, one of the associations, and I think a lot of people do this, is they think that um, people who are rich or people who have a lot of wealth got lucky. That it's all mm. about luck. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the common thoughts. Do you do you agree with that or? Yeah, I do think that that is oftentimes an assumption. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would say that um, that my parents. I think there's two assumptions that go that are common. One is the luck, and the other one is that it's all about hard work. And so mm-hmm. I'm gonna the the two quotes that I've chosen is making money isn't about luck, and you won't get rich renting out your time. So, but let's start with the with the luck one. Okay. So I think I held on to that belief that wealth and money came from being lucky. Um, but so in this, in this um, interview, he refers to uh, a blog post from Mark Andreessen who refers to the four kinds of luck. And the first one being blind luck. So you're lucky because something happens that is completely out of your control. That's one type of luck. Uh, but it's the other three that are really quite interesting and where it shows that, you know, money isn't about luck. So the second one is luck from hustling. And that comes from, you know, the fact that you, you work hard, you hustle, you're constantly moving, you're constantly doing things, you're constantly creating opportunities, you're Mm-hmm. He refers to like generating a lot of energy around you, doing a lot of things. And in that whole process of that hustle, there are opportunities that are created, which might from the outset seem like luck, but you've actually deliberately kind of put yourself in those situations. So I would say, for example, the way we met could be seen as one of those. Um, we met because Omar and I decided to start a podcast. We decided to start our own business. We went to NMX, that first conference where it's actually where we first you know, mm-hmm. met in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we created those opportunities that then allowed us to meet great people, to, bu- to build the friendships and the connections that we have. So that kind of luck from just that constant activity. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. I totally resonate with that. What there's like a quote about, um, you know, luck is when opportunity meets hard work or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, and you said it before too. It's like, it's not just about luck and it's not just about hard work. It's a combination of all of these, of the effort. And, and like you said, like, where are you putting yourself and, and what are you doing with your time that really creates the quote unquote luck um, that, you know, that from the outside is very easy because you don't see everything that happened behind the scenes of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it could be a build-up of years of activity mm-hmm. or lots of events, um, lots of trying and failing and things not working. But um, so I, I love that one. The third one they talk about um, is luck from preparation. So you can become uh, lucky from by being able to spot good luck. And that's because you happen to have an expertise, you're knowledgeable in a certain field, you might be more attuned to things in that area of or industry. Mm-hmm. And so you'll pick up on something because you're so knowledgeable in that area. I would say an example of that, I'm just thinking off the bat, is without business, I've become very attuned to the way people work. Now, within, you know, the, the hybrid model of working, a lot of uh, work from home, remote, you know, building teams remotely. We've been in that for so many years that as soon as like the pandemic struck, it's like a lot of things that I think we are, we recognize from our experience, we might pick up on like, okay, there's an opportunity here. Things are moving online. Mm-hmm. Things are, you know, people are now teaching online. People, all of this stuff. You'll be, I think, more attuned to a situation because of the maybe expertise or that you have. Um, right. So well, and you guys are just like very well equipped to jump on that opportunity um, because you've been creating this business and it is in that space and, mm-hmm. you know, versus somebody who's like, oh, wow, this would have been an awesome time to have a online software that helps people do things from home. Like <laughs> kind of a little, yeah, you guys were already yeah. there. So did we get lucky in that situation or is it the fact that we've been working on something that, oh, it happens to then mm-hmm. line up with the situation in the world globally that, right. you know, yeah. Yeah. So I I find this super like interesting. Yeah. I love this. (laughs) But again, it takes a lot of like breaking down and, and, and I just go back to how amazing that three hour podcast is. And I think I listened to it over like three days, um, because you just have to stop, think, take notes. Mm -hmm. Um, the fourth kind of luck is luck from your unique character. And so the way he describes this kind of luck, it's like the weirdest, it's the hardest kind of luck, but it's where it's based on, well, he says you build a unique character, a unique brand, you have a unique mindset. So you are a person who's built up this character brand mindset and then kind of luck finds you. Mm. It gives this, He gives this very extreme example and I think I'm just going to yeah share the example that's on the podcast. He says the you're the best person in the world at deep sea underwater diving, and then someone by sheer luck finds a treasure, uh, like a sunken treasure ship off a coast, but they can't get to it. But they know about you, and they oh. know that you have these skills that uh-huh. can get to this like sunken treasure. Yeah, and that's where you come into it, and you get paid and you get rewarded for that skill set, that unique thing that you have, that this other person got lucky, found out, found this ship. And then, so, I mean, I found that really interesting because, yeah, I would say the, the sad, sad side of this is that I suppose my parents could have, you know, had that mindset that it's not within their control you know, that Mm. this idea of luck just seems like something that it's never going to happen or that's the only thing that will determine um, 
you know, your wealth accumulation, all of that, your financial freedom. And when you break it down like this and you realize, yeah, there is actually so much that you can determine and control and create your own luck, however you want to put it, you know, whatever cliche, um, then it's really eye-opening. It really changes your mindset around money. Probably went on a little bit too long on the whole luck thing, but I hope that's helpful. No, I I think it's great because I think that there is a lot of times too when, um, you know, I'll I'll just throw it into the entrepreneurial space and um, I see this happening a lot. And, you know, there's even been times where I have an opportunity to go to a networking event or, you know, be in a group of people and I'm quite an introvert. So a lot of the times, like I, I kind of either, you know, maybe don't feel like I have the energy for it or I'd rather not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But I always think about like, you never know who you're going to meet and connect with. And that has been like such a, you know, an important thing on our journey, because so many of the connections that we've made have led to these incredible partnerships, um, campaigns, sponsors, or even just like incredible friendships that have then, you know, been like a give and take support system and um, all of that. So I, I absolutely subscribe to the whole, you know, it, some people look at it as luck and others see all that's behind that per mm-hmm. everything that you just, yeah, that you just laid out in the four types of luck. So on the topic of luck, if we hop over to Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, and again, absolutely love that. Making money isn't about luck. I love the outline of the... Um, the four types of luck that you outlined. And we'll, of course, link up to all the Naval and the blog posts that Nicole just referenced so that you guys have all of that. Um, But it reminds me of one of the big takeaways that I had from Secrets of of the Millionaire Mind, which is T. Harv Eker. And um, one of the ideas that he talks about in the book is um, what type of person do you have to be to receive or accomplish everything you want in life. And this just very reminiscent of a lot of the examples that we just gave and the things that you just um, talked about, because it's not about something being handed to you or about something falling out of the air or about this big idea just coming to you out of nowhere that's going to like turn you into a millionaire. It's about shifting your actions, your mindset, um, how you show up and that being the lead to what's possible for you. And I think that that is, I mean, it's been very uh, relevant on my journey because I can very much remember when I was the type of person who thought that somebody owed them something. And I thought that I deserved all of these things. And you know, I was just kind of like waiting for my turn. That's the type of person who I was being. And, you know, to think that just like a simple shift in mindset of like, wait a second, that being that type of person is not going to get me where I want to be. So what type of person do I need to start becoming? to be able to accomplish everything I want in life. And that was somebody who didn't wait for other people to give them, you know, what they wanted. Somebody who didn't wait to have their name called. Like instead I needed to become the person who uh, was proactive, who did put themselves out there, who made themselves uncomfortable in certain situations in order to learn and to grow and all of this. Um, 
so yeah, what like what comes to mind for you uh, when when you hear that? Uh, a lot of things. One of the things that comes to mind is the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset, because in that fixed mindset, you'd think that the type the type of thinking would be someone who who has that financial abundance, independence, all of that is has somehow inherently achieved that there's something inherent that they've got and that the way they are or the way they must think the way and that just happens because of who they are not intentionally creating that changing their mindset working towards that Um, and I feel like in my experience in my upbringing going back to that luck it was all about it's kind of like you have no control over that. Whereas to this point, I have control over who I'm going to be or who I want to be or how I, the actions I take, the way I think. And that lends itself to the growth mindset that you can, you know, that person that you perceive has everything that, that, you know, that you could possibly want. It's not because they're special in any way or, they, they can be special. They, they can be uniquely special. It's not that they're not, but it's not like you can't attain that by breaking down. Well, what did they do to get there? How do they think? Um, you know, what actions did they take? So that is where the being in, in your quote to me comes from. Um, and, and that is not a fixed thing. That's something you, you grow into, you develop, you work on. That's what that makes me think of. Yeah, when you were saying that, it it really shines a light on the idea that, oh, that person has that because of, like you were saying, how they inherently are, or maybe they are like, you know, they were blessed with something that I don't have. So it's always for someone else, but it's not for me. Um, I can't access that or I can't reach that because I don't have fill in the blank. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I really love this because you have any of it that you want. You just have to decide that you're going to be the type of person that gets that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just like so many of this, of the, th- that entire book really, it was just like filled with idea after idea or action after action or like positive thought after positive thought of like, no, that it like, it's, you were wrong all that time. And when I say you were wrong, I mean me, because again, yeah. when I was reading that, I was just like, oh my gosh, another one of the biggies that w- really resonated with me. Um, one of his quotes was the number one reason most people don't get what they want is that they don't know what they want. And I thought like, whoa, that is like on the surface level, you're like, oh no, well, I know what I want. Like I, I but I do know what I want. But if you really think about it, like, have you ever sat down and written out exactly what you want, what you want your life to look like, your relationships to look like, your health to look like, your daily routine to look like, your familial relationships to look like? Um, I mean, it extends to so many different things. And so many people don't do this, including myself. It was like, oh, yeah, I know what I want. I want to like, you know, have the best job and make a ton of money and like always have fun. 
But what does that look like? You know, how does that happen? Uh, And this really also goes back to like, what type of person would I be if I had all of that? Because at the time, I didn't have any of that. And so it was kind of like without without knowing exactly what I wanted, like what type of person I needed to be, the circumstances, the situations, um, the location that I was in, the people that I was surrounded with, the relationships that I had, um, what do all of those look like? If you don't know what those look like, then you truly don't actually know what you want. And that's the reason why you're, you can't get it. You can't get something that you can't describe or define. Yeah. And I think that people generally, they have a loose idea of what they want. Like you were saying, like, I've got an idea that I want to make money. I've got an idea that I want to be wealthy, but they don't have the the principles or that. I was going to ask you in that situation, did you, or how did you actually come to then drilling down on what you wanted? Did you go through any exercise? Did you make a list? Did you what did you do to actually get clarity? Because a lot of people like, yeah, you might have an idea of these are the things I want. Uh, They kind of sit in your head or you've kind of held on to them for whatever your twenties, your thirties. And they just kind of always sit there. Yeah. These are the things I want, but how do I actually get clear on them? Did Mm. you do anything in particular? Yeah. I mean, I think um, just as a very first step, something that was really powerful for me was writing out my perfect day. I had never thought about that before. I thought it was pretty woo-woo, but it was actually an incredible first step to get my mind thinking in a way that was like, not I want to travel a lot, but I want to buy a plane ticket to France and travel France for five weeks. Because how much more attainable is it for me to be able to take action and make that happen than I want to travel a lot? okay, so if I drive to the next town over, like, is that traveling to me? If I fly home and see my family, is that traveling? Like, what type of travel? Um, So, you know, I was eventually able to get to that point, but only because I started with, what does my perfect day look like? If I wake up, what time is it? Where am I? Who's laying next to me? What happens? Like, you know, what happens? Do Do I wake up and make my bed? Do I wake up? make my bed, go for a run, wake up, make my bed, go for a run, make a cup of coffee. Uh, Like, you know what? And then I have time to write or read or hang out with my friends and my family. And, and I think like really just getting so super granular to the point where you're envisioning and feeling what that perfect day looks like, then you start to understand like, oh, okay, what I want is a series of like these actual events and experiences. And now I can actually start to define those instead of generalizing like, oh, I want to have a great job and a lot of money. What kind of job? All right. Yeah. Well, I want to be happy. I want to have a stress-free right. life. Yeah. 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 What does that look like? I think every time you, every time you're able to come up with something like that, that's an awesome start. And then ask yourself, what does that look like? I'm thinking back to our previous episode, our previous chat on on mindset, because I think so much of this is related and connects and it's bringing back a lot of that and everything you're saying about planning your day. Uh, I think we linked up to it. It was the Jim Rohn um, lesson. 
you know, you know, with the Jim Rohn stuff, you just got to get past the eighties and nineties vibe of the, of the videos, but the content is so good. Yeah. And the one, um, the one we linked up to there is don't start your day. Don't start your week. Don't start your month. Don't start your year until it's finished. And what he mm. means by that is that you've already created it. You've already planned it. You've already set those intentions for that day, that week. You've envisioned it. So it's already finished before Mm -hmm. you've even started. Mm -hmm. Uh, So powerful. Which is wild, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's. But have you ever had like one of the, one of the most powerful like tools for me in preparing for something. um, And I think of like a stage talk is a good example for me personally. When I know that I'm going to be speaking on stage for at least a month leading up to it. It's usually before I go to bed. And when I wake up in the morning, if I wake up in the morning, it's still super early. I'm like not quite ready to get out of bed or when I'm going to sleep at night and I'm not like falling right to sleep. I start thinking about what that is going to look like. Like Mm. what's the room going to look like? How am I going to feel when I'm on stage? What does my opening sound like? Am I you know, going to lead with a story? Am I going to lead with an experience? Like what? And, and that visioning is like, it's just so powerful. I've, I've actually been doing it a lot with our wedding. I keep thinking about what our wedding's going to be like and, you know, who's going to be there and, and what, what the flow of the weekend's going to be. And I think that that visioning is so, um, impactful. No, I 100% agree. Um, you know, for me, I did that. I do that exercise through the miracle morning where mm, one of the steps mm-hmm. is the visualization and it is really powerful. And it goes back to, you know, what you shared that you have to plan as if it's mm-hmm. happened, it's already happened. And it's that, it seems so simple and yet it is so powerful Um, And I think most of the time, a lot of the time people are either not, they're afraid to to think like that because it almost seems to think a little bit too big or, or they get trapped in the thinking of if you start to plan and think this is what I want that year to look like, these are the things I want to accomplish. Well, what if that doesn't happen? Oh, that could never happen to me. I could never get that. Who am I? All of those thoughts then start to hold you back. But what have you got to lose from actually just sitting there, <laughs> writing it down, setting those intentions, yeah. getting super granular, um, you know, really laying it out in that perfect day, that perfect speech on stage, that perfect trip. Mm-hmm. What have you got to lose by just putting it down? I, I'd say nothing, but yeah. I think what might hold people back is that is the, is the fear of and what if it doesn't happen? Right. And it's literally a set of, yeah, intentions and steps. Yeah. Well, and I think that this comes into play exponentially with money because I've felt this way in the past. And so I'm willing to bet that other people have felt this way too. I've in fact, you know, spoken with a lot of, you know, members of our audience and um, people in trainings and masterminds. And, and so I know that other people feel this way as well there's a greed attached to wanting to bring money into your life. Mm. Sales is like, you know, a, has a negative connotation. So all of these mm. like ideas around money, whether they're ones that we picked up when we were super young, because 
maybe a adult in our life or a parent, like, you know, money, what do you think money grows on trees? Like, you know, mm-hmm. comments like that, or like, yeah. or, you know, being out and, you know, asking for something and, and repeatedly hearing like, are you crazy? We can't afford that. Mm. You know, whether it comes from that or it's like learned experiences over the years of maybe we've come in touch with people who have, you know, sold us something and and what was promised wasn't delivered. And so then all of a sudden we have a negative connotation associated with anyone trying to sell us stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. there's so many different like experiences and 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 the way that our mind gets set about money that that's why I think all the stuff that we're talking about is so powerful. I know that not every single thing that we just covered in these quotes and everything was about money specifically, but I think that it's all tied to it because at the end of the day, what are we, we can't do any of those things without it. Right. Um, financial freedom is, you know, something that I think is insanely important to my goals in life. And, and I'm very glad that I have that because it not only allows us, you know, to do everything that we want without the stress of, can we afford this? Or do we have the money for this? You know, we've switched our mindset around that long, long ago, but it also gives us the opportunity to make impact in other ways, like donating to charities and being able to help others, um, you know, uh, invest in other companies and business owners who are trying to build whatever they're trying to build. I just think that that shift around, you know, thinking of money as like, if you want money that you're being greedy or that you're being selfish or, um, you know, who are you to make a lot of money uh, that, you know, that these resources that we've shared could really be a powerful on, on the journey to kind of flipping the switch on that mindset. Absolutely. I think about, we first started talking about money, uh, you know, on our mastermind calls with Cass. And mm-hmm. I remember that it was really uncommon. This is, we've been doing our mastermind now for, you know, we're going into our third year. And I remember every time we early on, we bring up a topic of money. It was uncomfortable for me. You know, it was something that oh, I'm not used to talking about this. You know, in the very beginning you asked, is this something you talked about with your friends? I'd say no, because it's some, it's like you said, it's got this association of, oh, you know, mm-hmm. it's got a stigma around it for whatever reason, depending on, you know, your circle, uh, it can. And, and depending on your upbringing, which that, you know, for me, it was a bit of a, yeah, it was a very touchy kind of subject and and not comfortable. So I feel like I've grown in the last couple of years through having these conversations with you, with Cass, um, with, with other, with other people as well. And just being able to express some of these ideas and, you know, looking for these resources, uh, looking at these resources and realizing there is another way to, to, to see this and to talk about it and to vocalize it um, and really to, yeah, to reframe a lot of the ideas that we grew up with. Um, so, I, yeah, just the fact that we've been able to have these conversations, I've noticed in myself that shift of what was really uncomfortable, what I was really also kind of felt on shaky ground, like, oh, I don't know much about this. I'm not a finance person. I never studied finance. I don't even remember a lesson in my commerce class that's relevant <laughs> to the topic. <laughs> so who am I to discuss this? But I think for on our journey and just being, yeah, having these open conversations, it kind of creates a shift and yeah, it starts to, to set, it starts to solidify those 
principles of, okay, well, if this is what I want and financial you know, freedom is one of them, um, there are very concrete things that I can do. Uh, and you're only going to realize what those are when you read, when you talk about it, when you listen to, to people who are doing it, who have done it before, who have the knowledge, all of that. So yeah, I'm I, rambling now, but no, yeah. no, I really think for, I think for a lot of people that the absence of these conversations, it prevents them from even realizing how they feel about it in the first place. Because mm-hmm. I know I, you know, I feel the same way that when I finally did start talking openly about money, as uncomfortable as it was, it uncovered all these blocks and misconceptions that I had about money that I didn't even know that I had because I never talked about it or thought about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Even even if you're, you know, talking out loud to yourself about it, you know, as silly as that may seem, I really think that vocalizing it, verbalizing it, or maybe you journal about it, um, that that could really help start that conversation. All right, friends. Well, as we close out today's chat on money, we hope that you've picked up a thing or two you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. Friends, if you've enjoyed this conversation and you have a friend who might also find this conversation helpful, share it with them. Send them to canrelatepodcast.com or have them search Nicole and Kate Can Relate on their favorite podcast app. Until next time.